Hi, and welcome to the Hollywood Dreammaker Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Gallo. I'm a 35-year veteran actor. I'm the kid who came out to Hollywood with 200 bucks in my pocket and a one-way ticket when I was 18. Didn't know a soul out here, and I've been living my dream ever since. I've had an amazing career. I've been an Academy Award-winning film, blockbuster film, hit TV series. You name it, I've done it, and I got the IMDb credits to prove it. Six years ago, I opened up my own school, the Manhattan Actor Studio, where I found my true passion. That's teaching the craft of acting, but not only teaching the craft of being the guy. Success leaves clues. I know how to make dreams a reality. I did it for myself, and I do it on a daily basis for my students. And I can help you achieve yours. Welcome to my podcast. Let's get started. I am super excited to introduce my guest. She's a WGA writer with writing credits on critically acclaimed shows like NBC's The Black Donnellys, WGN's crime thriller 100 Code. As a screenwriter, she's the 2021 finalist in the Screencraft Drew Story Competition with two features produced, three currently in development. She's a member of the Playwright and Director's Unit at the Actors Studio in New York City. I want to welcome the talented Amanda Moresco to the podcast. Thank welcome you to the so show. Much. So happy to be here. So I wanted to have you on the show because, you know, recently I had the honor uh, to work with you. Uh, I You coached me with some screenwriting and I was like, Amanda would be an amazing guest on the show because I know there are a lot of filmmakers, actors, you know, inspiring artists out there that, you know, maybe they want to get into this business as a screenwriter or maybe they're an actor and they want to write their own project. Um, and I want to just kind of pick your brand because I know that's what you do. Yeah. Oh, you know, I love to talk about this stuff. So, you know, stop me if I ramble on too long. But, <laughs> you know, I grew up in the business, as you know, you know, my father, I think maybe my father might have been a guest on the show. Yes, he was my first yes. guest. Bobby. Moresco. Uh, yeah, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, my dad is a screenwriter, director, producer. So I came up in the business through him. And it was a huge privilege of mine to be able to learn screenwriting from someone as talented as he is in terms of story. So when you're out there and you're hearing screenwriting, screenwriting, what people aren't really talking about is storytelling and the art of story. And I was given that education at an early age. So I'm very grateful for that. So that's sort of the, what I like to preach is that before we're screenwriters, we're storytellers and uh, what that actually means. And so um, when I realized that I had this knowledge, I started to share it. I started a, um, a consulting company and I teach screenwriting classes that focus on the difference between story, plot, and writing. And, uh, and that's sort of my mission to say, you know, anybody can do this. You don't have to be a genius. This is something that can be learned, which it can. Screenwriting is a craft. You're not born with some kind of genius that you can do it or you can't. Anybody can learn screenwriting. And so that's what I do. So I spread that knowledge. And uh, yeah, and then I write myself, of course. So that's sort of how I came into the arena of teaching story structure and screenwriting as well. Well, you know, let's just mention real quick that your dad, you know, Bobby Moresco, is an Academy Award winning writer. He wrote uh, Crash and he won the Academy Award for Crash. And I've been honored and blessed to have been able to work with your dad on quite a few projects. I mean, we did uh, we did Crash together. We did Tenth and Wolf together. We did Way of the Wise Guy together. I mean, there, you know, I've been a member of the, uh, the Actors Gym uh, for many, many years. I mean, I think when I started coming to the gym 25 years ago, you were like a little girl. I mean, 
<laughs> yeah. So, so yep. we've known each other a long time, and I got to tell you, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm here with my school, my my Manhattan Active Studio, and I I teach class on Monday night, so I haven't been able to go to the the gym, but you know, I peeked in and I heard they were reading your your latest play that you wrote about Hell's Kitchen and and three generations of uh, of women growing up in in Hell's Kitchen and I was blown away by it so I I applaud you bravo that was amazing I can't wait to you know see the the play what what's going on with that just out of curiosity well, it's interesting that you bring it up because tonight is Monday and it is the Actors' Gym and I'm bringing in rewrites of that play. So, so the play um, has been a work of passion, passion project for years and years. It started as a one act and then it grew. And so right now I am working on it as a full length. And one of the things that uh, that I'll share that has been the journey of this play is realizing that I had always been writing it to finish it, right? So I want to finish the play because I want to get it produced. I want to finish the play so I can publish it. I want to finish the play. And when I finally had a draft that I thought was finished, we did a staged reading here in New York with some wonderful actors. Dad directed it. We invited you know, theater producers. And the note that I got was that the play is not done. It's just not finished because they want, people want more. Every time I think that it's over, I get the note, no, we want more, we want more. And uh, I realized that the reason why I can't finish it is because I haven't been really writing the play. I've only been finishing the play and not really giving it the time that it's due to explore really what the play could be as opposed to this idea that I wanted to finish. And I know that, I hope that that's resonating because it's a slight difference, but really, instead of really exploring every moment and saying, what can I pull out from here? I've sort of just been throwing things down in order to get a finished product. And it's a little disheartening to know that now, but it's also rewarding to know that that's where, uh, where I can begin now. And also, you know, uh, being a writer for so long, you, you know, I feel like I'm in a little bit more of a sophisticated place where I can actually recognize that. So that's where I am. I'm starting from scratch again with this play. <laughs> it's been, I've been writing it for 15 years. Here I am again, <laughs> starting from scratch, bringing it into the gym tonight again. So yeah. Well, like your dad says, you know, writing is rewriting. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, people, yes, you know, it's it's not easy writing. It's 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 a hard thing. It's a discipline. You know, you yes. got to sit down and what what is your writing? You know, how do you write? Okay, well, let me say this. There's there's a big difference between playwriting and screenwriting. So so playwriting is a labor of love, right? So playwriting is. Uh, symbolic it's poetic it's it's you cannot uh command a structure onto a stage play right and so it really is a matter of digging and digging and digging and digging and but a screenplay a screenplay really is more a matter of understanding what the nuts and bolts are and something that absolutely can be learned and so one of the things that i realized after working with my dad for so long was that every time we got sent a project, whether it was a pilot or a screenplay or whatever it was, we always went through the same process of finding the story, then plotting it, and then writing it. And so I came up with this template. It's an outline template based on that process. And I call it the blob doc. And what it is, is this. 
when you're thinking about your screenplay and you're coming up with all of these ideas that are fresh in your head, that's not the time to write. That's the time to find the story. And you can use guideposts such as uh, Joseph Campbell's monomyth, which I could talk about later if we have time, uh, to, to help you figure out the tent poles of your story. And a lot of people, you know, when you when you say, do you, I want to write a screenplay, you know, you'll Google that and, you know, you'll get sent to a page that tells you about Save the Cat, which is like a plot paradigm manual and all mm -hmm. of that. But what you really want to be learning is how to tell a story. And so that is, uh, and so that is why I prefer to use the monomyth. I talk about all of this on my own podcast. It's called uh, Writing by Structure, the Story Love Podcast. I have an episode called How to Write a Screenplay and Why You Should Never Google That. <laughs> and, that goes, <laughs> and that goes into detail of everything I've sort of just given the overview on. So if anybody's really interested in, in, in listening to that, it really dives deep into why you shouldn't Google how to write a screenplay because there's 10,000 different sites out there that are going to tell you how to write a screenplay. But if you're just starting out, what you really want to know is how to tell a story. And, and that's what um, that's what makes us special. We're storytellers first. So if you're out there and you're hearing stories in your head or you're hearing dialogue or characters are speaking to you, you know, that's unique. That's special. Not everybody has that. And you should follow that. Um, and, and you should cultivate that gift to be able to make stories up in your head. This is the, one of the most special things we could possibly be given as humans, um, the, the ability and the desire to tell stories. And so we should honor that. So as far as studying the craft of writing, are there certain books that you would recommend for somebody just starting out? Yep. So again, before I would recommend anything like Save the Cat, I would recommend well, listen, here's the thing, Billy, here's the thing, you know, one of the things that I say in my podcast is, let's say you're out there and you say, I have a movie, I have a, I have a movie in my head. There are many, many different reasons why you would want to tell this story, why you want to write a screenplay. Do you want to write the screenplay because you're an actor and you need a vehicle to star in yourself, right? And you just want to write something to shoot. That's a different experience than I want to be a screenwriter and I want to staff in a television writing room because I want to be a writer. So, so even just that significance means that you would approach it in different ways. And so I can't recommend, I can't say, here's a book, here's the magic book, you read it. You know, um, the one thing that I will say is this, the, the, the thing that has helped me most in understanding screenwriting more than any plot paradigm book, more than Save the Cat, more than anything else out there. The thing that's hardest about screenwriting is understanding that you're telling a story visually for the screen. It's not the same as a book. It's not the same as a play, right? And in order to be successful at that, you have to keep the viewer on the edge of their seat. You want the person watching to be wondering what's going to happen next. And there's the craft of it. That is what you are as a screenwriter, a person who understands how to craft a scene so that I keep you hanging on till the next scene. And there's a very specific way to do that. And it takes a lot of practice to get good at it, but it is called cause and effect structure. And so it, in a screenplay, you want every single scene to be causing the next scene to happen. So that at the end, when you look at your whole entire story or your plot, right? If you, you can't take one scene out because if you took one scene out, the whole couldn't exist. That's how tight and how connected your scenes have to be. And when you look at the best movies, the movies that, you know, you watch at the end, you go, man, that was a great movie. Almost 
unequivocally follows that sort of rule where every single scene has a meaning. It has a purpose. It's leading the plot forward. It's driving the story. I care. And there are certain rules that you have to follow in order to create that. And where I learned about all of that is from a book that was suggested to me early on, again, uh, by my dad and the people that my dad worked with. Another reason why I was lucky to be surrounded by people who were thinking about these things. It's a book called Poetics. It is written by Aristotle uh, 2000 years ago. And it was a manual on how to tell Greek tragedies or comedies. And way back then, the building blocks of story still apply to screenwriting today in such a way that it really is the most important thing for you to understand. Before you pick up a book that tells you something has to happen on page 10, you first need to understand how to tell a compelling story, which means what are your beats of your plot? What are your incidents? And so I hate to say that because nobody likes that answer. Nobody wants to hear that you have to go read Aristotle, but it really is anything else is putting the cart before the horse because without understanding what an incident is, what a beat is, you're going to be grasping at straws to come up with something that happens on page 10. And, and if you don't know the reference, if you're brand new screenwriting, there is this rule out there. There's tons of screenwriting rules that say certain things have to happen on certain pages. Uh, the inciting incident, the thing the thing that propels the story forward must happen on page 10. So now you have a bunch of brand new screenwriters scrambling to figure out what they have to have happen on page 10. Instead of understanding that, what we need to be thinking about is what's happening in our story that's driving the plot forward. So hopefully uh, hopefully that's uh, resonating in some way. I have a, on my podcast, I break down poetics and I, and I break down in three parts because it is dense. So if you want to cheat sheet to poetics, that's also on the writing by structure story love podcast. I highly recommend checking it out because it will just uh, tweak your brain to start thinking about visual storytelling in a different way. Love that. I'm going to check it out. I, I haven't heard it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that is for, that's for plot. And then, you know, how to tell a cathartic story. Uh, someone that I that I admire and look to consistently to help me come up with my storyline is Joseph Campbell. So Joseph Campbell was a teacher, a study, uh, he studied all of the great myths of the world. And he came up with this monomyth. He studied all the great myths and realized that in most of the great myths in the world, it was the same journey. A hero went on a journey and they fought against these battles and things got hard and they went through these trials and tribulations. And at the end, they earned their role as the hero of the story. And that's how you create a cathartic story. So if you put these two things together, if you look at the monomyth and say, okay, this is the journey I have to be telling. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end. This is the story of what happens. I can use Joseph Campbell's idea of the monomyth to help me find my story. And then once I have the beginning, the middle, and the end of my story, I can then use Aristotle's idea of every scene needs to cause the next scene to happen to choose which scenes to put in my movie to tell this story. So it's story is what happens, plot is how it happens. You use the monuments to find the story, and then you use poetics to help you build the plot. That's it in a nutshell. <laughs> awesome. So having a dad I had that has won an Academy Award, 
What is that, you know, for you as, uh, you know, trying to carve your own path in this industry as a woman? Can you tell me a little bit about that? What's, what's that journey for you? Sure, I sure can. You know, it's different. You know, I look back. I look back on my journey and I know I was always a writer. I always wrote uh, poetry. I always wrote in journals. I always was drawn to images, dialogue, characters. Um, that was always going to be a path for me. But when I was in college studying theater and film, my dad sold a show and invited me to be his assistant. And on, at that point, I left college and I went to work for him. And it's sort of always this point in my life where I look back and I say, should I have actually done that? Because I'll never know what I could have done on my own. I'll never know if I didn't have that opportunity to go actually work and get my first credit uh, as a PA and start my resume there and work my way up um, with his help, what I could have done if I was just someone who arrived off the boat from Iowa, so to speak, right? And so that always weighs heavy. And I'm sure it weighs heavy on a lot of um, children with, who benefit from nepotism, which I certainly do. So it's difficult for me to really um, sometimes separate myself from what I was given and what I've achieved. But at the end of the day, what I finally realized was uh, what was the life that I wanted. And if I wanted to enjoy this life, I was going to have to own this life and understand that I worked really hard to learn the things I learned. And so I was given a lot easily, but I also worked very hard to take the things I was given and capitalize on them and learn and grow um, into the person who I would eventually wanted to become anyway. So the idea is, yes, we could all get down on ourselves for whatever it is. Everybody has the thing that when they go to bed at night, they say, man, I suck. I'm awful. I'm a fraud. I'm a sham. Right. Um, and then you have to just say, okay, well that's maybe that's true. But the other part is true. The other part that is true is that I'm also not going to give up because this is what I want. So what do you want at the end of the day? What do you want? Are you going after it? Uh, if you've been giving things great, help out other people. Make sure that you have awareness of the privilege that you have and what you've been given. Understand that and then also work your ass off. And so that's sort of been my mantra that helps me maintain my, I guess, my drive, right? My ambition to, you know, because especially when you battle, I feel like artists battle. Um, artists are emotional people. The reason why we become artists is because we feel deeply uh, we go and we look at a sunset and next thing you know, we're crying. Okay, well, other people, don't, don't, that doesn't happen <laughs> to everybody. So, you know, so automatically we're feeling more. I feel like we battle depression more. I feel like most of the people in my circle who are artists battle depression. I certainly have my mental illness challenges. I write about mental illness a lot. It's something that I write about extensively because I'm always trying to figure out um, what exactly is crazy and what isn't, and um, what makes us all unique, and when is it a problem, and when is it when is, when does it become dangerous, when does it not? So yeah, so I feel like I, I feel like finding my way and understanding that um, depression is part of it, and navigating the waters between negative self-talk and finding your way through to a light at the end of the tunnel, and it's all part of the package of being an artist is something that I've struggled to achieve, and. Um, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I feel like I understand it. There's always a danger of succumbing to it. Um, there's always a danger of one day feeling like you're going to wake up and you're not going to be able to crawl out of that hole. 
So that's something that I always like to talk about openly because sometimes we feel like we're struggling alone when I know that there's so many artists out there who are like me. And so for me, working in the business under someone who's supremely successful and having to live up to that success and constantly having negative self-talk, like you're not worthy, you didn't earn it, you know, that has been the most difficult thing for me to feel like I I deserve what I have and where I'm at and what I've learned and what I've done. But I think the maturity level comes when you realize that that's just my thing. Everybody has their thing. Everybody has the thing that they can either believe or they don't believe. So at the end of the day, you have to say, what am I going to believe? Do I believe that or do I not? Am I going to put that away and just keep going forward and just not look at it and keep going or deal with it and say maybe or maybe not? You know, that's what therapy is for, right? So if you're out there and you're struggling with self-doubt, I think it's really important to understand that we all do, especially if you're artists like us putting yourselves out there on a gamble. I mean, you, you, you know, even, even myself still, you know, my dad, yeah, he's won an Oscar and he's sold shows, but nothing's guaranteed. As you know, Billy, Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing guaranteed in this business. You can sell a show tomorrow and then be absolutely um, not having anybody return your phone call next year. Um, there's, there's no guarantee. It's always a gamble. Every day that you wake up and choose this artistic life is a gamble. And there are days when you think this was the worst mistake I've ever made. And there are days when you say, but it doesn't matter because it's the only thing I could ever do with my life. So I'm just going to keep gambling, <laughs> you know, so either you go forward or you don't. So that's, that's what I just wanted to share with anybody who's suffering from self-doubt is that we all do. And you just have to know that you can either believe it or you can tell it to shut up and just get up and keep working. Love that. And listen, I know I, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist. I've battled depression my whole life. I've, you know, I've had that self-doubt my whole life, you know, but you know what I, I've learned that it's just noise. It's just what I call monkey brain. It's not true. I mean, you know, there's no imposter. There's only one Amanda Moresco. You're a masterpiece. You were created a masterpiece. You know, there's only one of you. That's, that's the, you know, I had an actress tell me, I feel like an imposter. I go, what are you talking about? I said, how could you be an imposter? There's only one you. This is who you are. Just be you. Shine your light. You know, if this is your passion, this is this is your, you know, it's in you, then then this is your path. Just follow that path. Just know that this talent was given to you. It's a gift. Not everybody gets the gift of, you know, some people can sing, some people can paint, some people can write, some people can act. So this is your gift and it's it was given to you for a reason. And, you know, you can achieve the dream. All you have to do is step into your power and come from from love, from light, from peace, from joy, not from the noise, the imposter syndrome. It's just noise. So, you know, I, I say, you know, guard the gates, you know, when that little voice comes in and says, you know, imposter, you say, listen, I love you, but you, you're not running the show, okay? The powerful me, the confident me, the, the warrior, not the warrior, the gladiator, the beast, that's who's, you know, running the show, not the little voice, you know, go, go play. Go, go have some fun. You have an ice cream. <laughs> Leave me alone. 
I love it. I love it. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. But you, but you got to guard the gates and you got to, you know, you got to really kind of take some time really to, to learn. And I tell my actors all the time here, you know, and I teach them to, to meditate, to, to learn how to sit in stillness, to get out of your head, to get into your heart, because all of your answers, everything you want is within you. All you have to do is shut off the noise for a little while and just kind of breathe and sit in stillness and find your, your true power. You know, that's such an interesting thing because, you know, when we're talking about what advice are we going to give to new writers? And, and like I said, everybody's going to run to the books and everybody's going to run to the manuals on how to write a screenplay or write a novel or whatever. Truly, when I say we have to learn to be storytellers first, a big part of that is what kind of a storyteller am I? What is the environment that I can put myself into to make sure that I'm nurturing my creativity, my creative instrument, right? So what, what meditation is going to work for you is not the same meditation that's going to work for me. The schedule that's going to work for you is not the same schedule that's going to work for me. And a big part of writing is finding your rhythm as a writer and saying, okay, here's what my life consists of. I have to do all of these things in my day. At what point in my day is my mind going to be most open to creativity? Is that five o'clock in the morning or is that 12 o'clock at night is that I, I leave my office during the day. And when I go to eat lunch, I take a notebook and sit in the park. Um, what, what is the rhythm of my creativity that is going to produce the most output? And that thing alone takes so much time of, of experimentation if you're a new writer, because, uh, you know, in writing, you have to be open to be a writer. You have to be willing to write. You have to be willing to put the time in. And so many times I hear people say, I really want to write a book, but I don't have time. I really want to write a screenplay, but I don't have time. And um, the truth of the matter is, if you're creativity is the thing that's going to give you peace and it's going to give you happiness. You have to devote that time to yourself the same way you would a gym membership or a doctor's appointment because it's not going to go away. So one of the things that I always say is if you have a story in you, the story's not leaving you, right? So 20 years from now, you're still going to have that story. You might as well just get it out. <laughs> it's never going to one day disappear, right? You know, so, so you might as well make the time to, to get it down on, on paper. And, and part of that is, you know, in the very, very, very beginning, you don't have to know how to write a screenplay. You have to know how to tap into your own emotions and put it down on paper. Love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm that person. I've had, you know, that story try in me for 20 something years and I'm finally getting it out on page, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it's been a challenge. It's, it's not easy. No, it's not. So, you know, you know what I love is that you're directing and you're creating your own projects, your shorts. And, and you know, during this whole time during the pandemic, you know, I, I've been telling my actors all the time that, you know, we have these cool little devices in our pockets, these little phones, you know, and they're they're meant for more than, you know, going on social media and, you know, Instagram and TikTok. You know, you could create your own film. I mean, you can write your own film. You can shoot it. You can edit it all on this little phone. And I watched uh, a short that you did on on an iPhone, and I thought it was freaking amazing. I mean, it was like a one minute. I think it was a short short. It was the one with the ring. Uh, what was that called? It was called Acceptance. Acceptance. Yeah. So uh, it was such a beautiful story, and it was done so. I mean, you shot it in production value in New York City, you know, and it was a great cast. And it was like, how long was it? It's a minute. It's a minute short from, but you told such a beautiful story in a minute. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk about your directing. 
I sure will. I, you know, what's so funny is um, I came to directing. I was always, it's one of those things, Billy, right? What did I say? Like I, I was always, I always was drawn to it, but I never had the guts to go for it. Right. So it's part of my journey is again, finding the confidence to know that I have worth, right. And that what I have to say matters. You know, one thing that I talk about all the time is when I was in writer's rooms, um, it took me so long to figure out that what I was thinking, nobody else was thinking. So I'd be in the writer's room and I'd have ideas and I'd say, well, nobody else is saying that, so it must be stupid. I mean, it just must not matter. And so finally, I realized nobody else is saying it because nobody else is thinking it. And when I started to finally have the courage to open my mouth and, and speak, uh, people would say, that that's a good idea. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, because I understood that. It took me so long to just have the confidence to know that I understood things. Um, and, and, and a part of that is another thing is, is, is that I struggle with is, is being neurodivergent. So, you know, um, a lot of times when we're talking about depression and all that, it comes with neurodivergence as well. So if you are neuro, neurodivergent, meaning um, I have ADHD, I border on autistic. So uh, when that, those things go hand in hand. So part of, part of the journey of acceptance of understanding how your mind works and understanding that uh, understanding yourself as a person is, is understanding your own neurodivergence. So if you're out there listening and you do have, have trouble speaking up or having the confidence and, and you understand what it's like to have a million thoughts going in your head at a mile a minute, you know, uh, it, it, it is. It, so, so part of my journey is taking so long to figure my own brain out so that I could function well. And directing is directly related to that because, again, uh, I felt like I wanted to do it, but I didn't have the courage to do it until finally I was in my 30s. And I, you know, I, I was really, really understanding story structure. That's my that's my uh, my, my biggest strength is understanding story structure, which is hard to understand. So um, writers would come to me and I would help them with their story structure and then start developing things and they'd say well why don't do you want to direct it and I finally had my good friend Bill say to me I'm doing this workshop performance we're going up at a theater in North Hollywood do you want to direct it and without even thinking I just said yes and I was so excited about it and I had such an amazing uh experience with it and also I understood I'm such a control freak um, I think because, because I do have ADHD, so I have to be proactive about being in control of everything. Otherwise, it goes haywire that I enjoy being in charge. So I really enjoy being in charge. I really enjoy schedules and, uh, and understanding story structures so that I understand what the play and the needs in that moment. And at that moment, I said to myself, I am not going to say no to anything. Someone asked me to direct, no matter what it is, I'm saying yes, and I'm not going to second guess myself. And from that moment on, people just kept asking me to direct things. I kept just getting asked to direct, and I said, yes, 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 I'm going to do that. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to think this through. I'm just saying yes. And from that, I really started to get a lot of experience in being the leader and being the person who organizes and understands what the story calls for, and then really honing my skills visually. And so I was able to shoot three short films while I was living in LA, which was super, it's, it was just a constant, every time I was able to get behind the camera or, or even in theater as well, directing plays and, and workshops and all of this kind of stuff. Um, I, I got to be more and more comfortable in this position of, I understand what this story calls for and I understand how to get it. And, um, 
So when I moved back to New York, I left LA and moved back to New York where I'm from. And I sort of lost my contact with all of my production people who I had, that I had built up so many of those contacts of people who were making shorts and had equipment and et cetera, et cetera. So the pandemic hit and I went on to Clubhouse, which is an audio only app where people sit and talk in rooms and clubs and screenwriting clubs. And there was a movie makers club. And in it, a man named Darian Donju created a one minute film club where we were all during the pandemic going to make one minute films on our smartphones. And I was just telling this story the other day on Clubhouse that I, I, I lurked for like three months before I dove in. I, for the first time, I, I said no to myself uh, because no one was asking me to do it. I was going to have to take the initiative. And I didn't know how to do it on my own with my cell phone. I had my three shorts that I did. I was lucky enough to have amazing crews. We shot with incredible cameras. I had UPMs on little shorts and, you know, um, ADs. You know, I didn't have DPs, right? Incredible. I worked with incredible um, DPs. I didn't have to really know anything except what I already knew, which was story and what I had to do to tell the story visually and how to work with actors. That to me is what a director did. And now I was sitting here with someone saying, you have a camera in your pocket. You can go out and do it. And I was like, but I don't know how to light a scene. I don't know how to actually move the camera myself. And uh, for the first time I was terrified. And then finally I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And uh, I actually wound up making five one minute shorts with that, with that club. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the first, the first two are pretty bad. They're pretty terrible. (laughs) (laughs) The one that I saw was pretty awesome. And that was the latest one. And the point Uh, is that you get better and better and better. And so again, even all the work that I did, uh, building myself up to understand what my worth was as a writer, I still was feeling this uh, incredible uh, imposter syndrome of, well, if I don't understand, then that means I don't know. And that's what the message I really want to send to everybody is, if you don't know, your job is to find out and then you can. It's not that you can't. It's just find out and then you can. And that's sort of what I did. And so uh, and so now I'm shooting my next short in uh, in November. Super excited about it. That's awesome. Not, yeah, yeah. Not on my cell phone, but having had that experience of shooting five shorts with my cell phone and also um, being in community with a whole bunch of other smartphone filmmakers, it's really let me understand what the benefit of the smartphone is. So we're going to shoot, actually, it's about a chef in a kitchen. And so we're going to be able to go in now during the restaurant's high time uh, and with our little cell phone, because we don't have all this big camera equipment and just go in there with our phone with the 4K because iPhones shoot on 4K now, yeah. right? And with a, you can buy lenses for your cell phone that mimic a, a, a camera and uh, and get the shots that we need during you know the cutaways, all the B-roll of the chefs with the chopping and the sauteing and all of that. We'll be able to go in there during that restaurant's actual dinner rush and not have to actually pay for that production value. We're just going to be able to get it on our cell phone. So yes. it's we're living in an amazing time. <laughs> yes. We definitely are. I mean, you know, it's, there's no excuse, you know, I, there's no excuse. And I, you know, I love it. My actors here, you know, it's about community, like you said, and, and, and here at the studio, I have my actors, you know, some people write, some people direct, some people edit, you know, so it's like the gym, you know, with some amazing projects to come out of the actor's gym. You know, when I built my studio, I am recreating what we did at the gym here. You know, I, I love developing projects and I love when my actors, you know, I hear they're collaborating and they wrote this short and they're out there shooting and they come in and we screen it here. 
you know, it's there's literally no excuse to to not create your own stuff. The only excuse is if you're listening to that negative voice that we're talking about. I mean, this life is so hard. It's such an it's such an uh, it's a mean world. It's cold. It's a cold world, right? And so we succumb to this idea that we have to I don't know conform or be like everybody else or I don't know. But the idea is every day you have to say. I, I don't have to be extraordinary. I just have to go after the thing that's going to keep me wanting to wake up tomorrow. And, and, and it takes courage to, to not uh, just roll over and close your eyes and just go paint by numbers through life. So uh, either, either you're doing it and you're shutting every, all the negativity out and saying, yeah, I don't know how to do this, but I'm doing it is the, one of the most courageous things you can do. Love that. So being a director, being on the other side of the camera, what do you what do you want from an actor? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, I really, really just want an actor that's available, that's open, that can that can go to places that I'm asking them to go. An actor who hasn't, you know, made decisions, an actor who can come in and say, okay, I'll try that. We'll go this way. We'll try this. What what can I give you? You know, the actors who are who are really willing to play, to to, to explore, you know, a lot of times actors have control problems. I, I can know, I can know a good actor within 30 seconds. And the reason why, the, what I think makes a, a good actor is someone who's willing to relinquish control. And a lot of times actors do not want to relinquish control. They want to be the one who's making the decisions about how this scene is going to go. Uh, Cause they want to be, you know, they want to uh, it, it's scary to let go and also uh, uh you know not trusting that your your talent right will take you where you need to go as as opposed to i, I here's my talent and i'm going to control it because i can it's a very distinct little thing but it's everything it's everything if you're in your head having already decided what your talent is going to show me we have nowhere to go so um it's really a matter of being vulnerable you have to be vulnerable as an actor in order to be able to, to go places where we don't expect. And that's when the magic happens with an act with acting. Right. Mm, yes. I, I always tell my actor, if you're in your head, you're dead. <laughs> if, if you're, you're in, your if you're in your heart, you're smart. Be in your heart, be in your vulnerability is your strength, you know, to be able to bear your soul. You know I mean? One of the things I got from your dad being at the gym is, you know, when we stepped onto that stage, it was like, you leave a piece of your soul on that stage. And, and that's, that's what it's all about. It's about, you know, bearing your soul. So funny that you brought that up because the first play that I ever, uh, the first fully play I was ever in, he directed. And uh, I just was crazy. Like I, I played a homeless person. So I would go into the theater two hours and lay on the floor and dirty clothes and <laughs> be there. <laughs> and so in all of that, we, we go up, uh, dress rehearsal is fantastic, right? And then of course, opening night, we all crashed from the adrenaline of the dress rehearsal, right? <laughs> and then at the end, he comes in and he goes, well, here's what I demand of you. You got to leave your soul on the stage. And tonight you didn't do it. And that's what I'm going to leave you with tonight. And I was like, oh, that's not pressure at all. That's not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I okay, then. And, you know, and again, that's, that's my privilege uh, for what I was given. But it's also my privilege to have that be the standard that I was taught at a very early age. Yeah. 
It's it's a powerful thing when you, you really step up and you say, you know what, I'm going to be vulnerable. I am going to, you know, everything, you know, that's happened to you in your life, the good, the bad, the ugly, all of that is your goal as an actor. And to be able to take that and use that as your paint to paint the canvas of the scene or whatever it is, you know, that's your truth. So you're not acting. It's just, I'm just being truthful. I'm, I'm talking. I'm substitute. I'm personalizing. I'm just making it real for me. I'm not acting. You know, too, you know what else it is, too, um, in, in turn, right along with that, there's, you know, the, the golden rule, right, is like really talking, really listening, sure, but also moment to moment reality is what we're really after. And it takes a lot of courage to live in one small little moment and not be thinking about the next you know, like here I am, I am in this moment, I'm going to drink this water. And I'm, what did you just say to me? And now I'm living here. And I'm not thinking about where the scene is going. I'm not thinking about anything else other than this moment right here. That's magic. And that takes incredible amount of, of vulnerability to trust that the scene will go where it needs to go. And in, in, in early work, it's, it's easier, right? Because you don't have to remember the blocking and the dialogue, right? So it's all, you know, ex exploration. But when it comes down, that's, this is where it, craft comes in as an actor, right? You have to be able to know the dialogue, know the blocking, and also still live in that moment as if it's the first time you've ever lived in it. And that's incredible when it, when it works. Yes. Amanda, I know you have to go teach a class. So I, I, first, I just want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart for coming on and sharing your wisdom and knowledge on the podcast. If, if somebody wanted to find you, where can they find you? Um, you can find me at amanda.moresco on Instagram. And in my Instagram, I have a link tree with every link that you could possibly want from me. <laughs> That's awesome. the easiest way. And then you can also find my business, Writing X Structure, at... Uh, mykajabi.com. So you can find all of my uh, resources there for screenwriting um, as well. So yeah, thank you, Billy. I, I really appreciate you having me. I hope I didn't ramble on in different directions too long, but <laughs> there, there, it was awesome. Thank you so much and uh, have a beautiful class. Thank you so much. See all you right. soon. See you soon. Bye. Take care. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Please rate, review, share this with your friends. Subscribe if you haven't. Please take whatever you get from here, the golden nuggets, and apply them to your career. Go after your dreams with passion. Don't let anybody tell you it can't be done. I believe in you. Follow your dreams. I'll see you in Hollywood.